What's up, everybody? Welcome to the State of Wild, episode 45, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name is Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Corbett and Raffle. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um, coming off a good week, hit Legend with a very bad deck, and um, enjoying the very bottom of the NA Legend ladder right now. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Raffle, what was that bad deck? What was the... Uh, don't tease us like that. you got to give us a full explanation here. It was Nazoth. Soul Fragment, Elise, Demon Hunter. I shuffled a whole bunch of Soul Fragments into my deck, summoned some Death Rattle minions to keep myself alive, and then turned those Soul Fragments into random legendaries with Elise. Yeah, you know, you know, a deck is good when it has like eight words before the uh, the class name. <laughs> oh uh, yeah, it's great keyword bait for YouTube. <laughs> true, yeah. true. Speaking of bait, you want to talk about the deck you hit rank three legend with Corbett? You know. Oh yeah, Ultimate I got this bait? terrible deck from someone. This terrible deck uh, sent me uh, sent my way, and then yeah, Reno Nazoth uh, Wooloak from the Great Get Me Out. Um, if you've heard of him, so yeah, I played that a bit, put that out on Twitter, trying out the new Nazoth. We'll, we'll get into all the buffs and everything uh, in in a in a second. You know, I I actually gave that deck a shot at Dumpster Legend myself. And um, I had a pretty good, like, 8-0 streak with it. It just turns oh, out good. that, like, anybody can queue that deck up and just farm wins with it. It's great. <laughs> We're just going to ignore the fact right, that I went 0-5 the... with it, okay? Yep. No. Oh, well, anybody. almost anybody. <laughs> oh, any, almost anybody. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not as good as a I'm not as good of a player as you guys, you know? That's, that's yeah, not my that's fault. Okay. That's okay. Um, that's but we've been alluding to a lot of stuff. You guys want to dump it? Let's, let's jump into the actual episode. Uh, but before we get into all of that, just a reminder to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you guys enjoy the content. It's a small thing, but it does actually support us a ton. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Uh, earlier this week, lots of nerfs, even more buffs, uh, 15 changes to cards. Uh, so let's touch on the nerfs first, because uh, as usual, nerfs kind of have the bigger impact out of the two. Um, and so in terms of nerfs, Refreshing Spring Water went from 4 mana to 5. First day of school went from 0 mana to 1, but it gives you 3 minions instead of 2. So very similar to Twin Slides, where it was like a reworking of the card more than a straight nerf. Crab Rider. Mm -hmm. So Crab Rider, I think this nerf was actually super elegant. Uh, it went from being a 2 mana 1-4 with Rush and Wind Fury to a 2 mana 1-4 with uh, Rush. As a battle cry, it gains Wind Fury. Mancrick. So Angry Mancrick. Um... The, the thing that gets summoned when you pull the card from your deck went from a 310 to a 37. And Hysteria, something that we, you know, I guess I said we, but Corbett put out last week is maybe a little bit out there. Uh, going from three mana to four, he was actually right, believe it or not. Um, but let's go one by one. Let's talk about let's talk about these nerfs. Uh, refreshing Spring Water from four to five. I mean, obviously it makes the card worse, but how much worse is it still playable? And, and what about APMH? Um, we we went into a pretty deep discussion about uh, APM Mage last week, and obviously one of its rather important cards getting worse is only going to make the deck worse. I think the card's still playable in standard, at least. I don't know if the if you really want to be queuing up the the deck uh, in or APM Mage in in wild at least um, right now, like we discussed last week. I was kind of disappointed to see this as the option in Mage get that they get touched rather than Encanter's yeah. Flow. I understand why they did it um, because I I didn't I don't think they wanted to over nerf Mage, and I think Ixar alluded to that in his Q and A as well. The problem is is that like Encanter's Flow creates a lot of uncomfortable Kelseth like scenarios where the Mulligan win rate is just way too high for the card. 
regardless of how powerful the deck as a whole is. So the, a lot of the deck's strength kind of hinges on Encanter's Flow, both in Standard, where it's problematic, and in Wild. So I, I think it it's a little bit disappointing not to see Encanter's Flow get touched, but I, I mean, I, I'm not going to... Um, I guess dismiss a, a refreshing spring water nerf because I think that was a too strong of a card as it was to begin with. Yeah, I think I think we'll probably see flow to three eventually. Like I wouldn't be shocked if that happens within like an expansion or two. Um, but yeah, it's very reminiscent of like nerfs to things like guardian animals, where th those were nerfs that kind of like or, or um, uh, fun fungal fortunes, the druid draw draw card. Mm -hmm. um, when those kind of nerfs happened, then the classes in standard kind of died off completely. Uh, where like they were just gone until the next expansion, and so I think that's what Flow would have done, and so I totally get it. Like like you said, um, I, it's something that I have seen as an adjustment is that there seems to be more people trying Mazaki Mage rather than APM because the nerf is probably a little less affecting on that deck compared to uh, APM Mage, which is sort of needs to pop off so much earlier with the Apprentice and stuff because it doesn't have the as much stall as the Mazaki. So I've seen kind of that little transition. Um, in addition to the fact that Mazaki's better into Dark Lair Warlock, which is now quite a, uh, you know, quite a quite a popular and good deck uh, popping up here and there. Yeah, I... So two things. I want to say that I, I looked up the mulligan win rate for Encanter's Flow post-nerf, right? So in this past week, the most played Spell Mage deck in Standard, Encanter's Flow still has like a 10% higher win rate than the next best card, which was still refreshing Springwater at 5 mana, so... <laughs> I, I I do agree that it'll get nerfed sooner rather than later. Um and I, I don't think that it makes a huge deal in, in standard because like or in wild rather because uh, of what you mentioned that the deck isn't really not that good to begin with. Um and then touching on Corvette's point about Mizaki Mage, uh I went through a little bit of you know, the same line of thinking for like so I was playing APM Mage in my THL lineup this week. Um mm -hmm. because I was targeting Reno Lock and i queued into stuff like pirate warrior and like the nerf to refreshing spring water is very noticeable against aggro decks like it yeah it, it really slows you down by an entire turn which you don't really have the ability to do and so i i think you either move to the mizaki mage build or you kind of go back to the original builds that um you know corvette originally had with ice blocks and ancient mysteries um just to buy you a turn i know i think it was either Paradox or Lurthos, um, posted a list with uh, of APM Mage with Ancient Mysteries, one Ice Block, one Duplicate, which is kind of interesting, allowing you to tempo out an Apprentice or a, uh, a Waker early to try to you know stall the board, swing it back into your favor to buy you time, while still having the Duplicate to kind of keep the combo piece. Um, so I do think that APM Mage has to go through a little bit of a, a rebuild, but I think ultimately... The deck is still going to be fine. It's probably going to still be really, really popular because people enjoy playing it, even though it doesn't have the highest win rate. And so I don't expect the deck to go anywhere, even if it's getting a little bit worse. Yeah, I think that's a good read on maybe people to transition into Mizaki Mage as well, just because it, um, you know, you were just kind of playing um, a lot of times in the Waker version, you want to play the spring water towards the beginning of your pop-off turn potentially to get that additional mana to get those additional cards going or, or as part of your combo turn if you have the biscuit whereas mizaki just kind of uses it as a really cheap draw spell and then does something else on top of that generates additional spells freezes the board whatever the case may be so it's a little bit less punishing for that i think that's probably um not a 
bad read for um, how to shift the deck moving forward. All right, so the next nerf to talk about, uh, nerf in quotation marks, uh, first day of school. (laughs) The nerf was from zero mana to one mana, but we get one additional random one cost. Um, And I want to read the dev comment here because... Uh, I think first day of school got hit because it was such an absurd turn one play, right? Where you could play it and then play the one drop on turn one. The dev comment here was, By bumping up first day of school's mana cost and the amount of one cost minions generated, removing the card to fit a value roll rather than its initial position as an efficient curve enabler. And I think that's what it does. I think the big thing is, the only deck that this is really seeing play in was Handbuff Paladin. And Handbuff Paladin, I feel like, loves this change because it's one additional minion to, to buff with all your buffs and an additional minion, you know, to rush into stuff like with Broomstick. Um, I What are you guys' thoughts about this? I, I'm going to call it a rework. I'm not going to call it a nerf. Um, but how good is this card still? Um, my intuition initially was um, that maybe makes it a little bit worse just because it reduces the speed. But, like, hand buff a lot of times plays a value game in certain matchups. So, it, um, you know, it's happy to hold another uh, another card in hand to get buffed um the in standard in particular the i think the main problem with this card was zero mana first day school play the minion buff it with uh, hand of it all the following turn that's just not something that you do in hand buff paladin so you have that as a play but it's rare that you take it just because you um you know you want to lend preference to holding minions so that you can get them buffed with your um smugglers run or the uh Grime Street Boy. Um, so I think that I, I haven't encountered the card enough or played it enough myself to determine whether or not it's better now, but I could see it being better or relatively similar in terms of power. Um, I, I, I'll defer to you guys on this one if uh, if you have uh, tested it out. Yeah, um, it's so weird to think that it got better because it was already like the second best card in Hammer Paladin. Um, behind Christology, but yeah, I think it got better. I, I think that it's so funny in that deck. I think it actually got stronger. Um, just because that extra resource is so valuable. I'm really surprised, actually, that they kind of... Well, I guess I guess yes and no. Like, they, they made this change, and it takes away the hand of a dial play, right? Which is the big concern in Paladin, so that makes sense. But at the same time, I'm surprised that they left it at this strong, because of just how good Paladin has been in standard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in Wild, uh, first day still... Like, super busted in hand buff pally. And I think it's actually good enough to just throw it in, like, odd pally as well. Like, I think this is still, like, an excellent card in odd pally now. Um, which, you know, it, it, it sort of works really well with the broomstick stuff. Um, it's just, like, a default curve filler, right? Like, it means, like, on turn four, you can always have, like, a one drop or a pair of one drops and hero power. Uh, things like that. I just think it's a really, really busted card at one mana gain three resources. Um, I just think it's really, really strong and is actually going to be like a new staple in all these Paladin decks, whether it's like Call to Arms Paladins or whatever. I, I think you just keep playing this. I, I think it's really, really busted still. So my initial uh, thought was, you know, zero mana uh, strong things. Um, but then I did <laughs> make the comparison for hand buff in particular, I did make the comparison to Christology. And that's just like a card you're fine playing. Yeah, it thins your deck at pulse cards, but like hand buff Paladin draws so many cards that it can run out of resources at certain in certain matchups in um certain games if it's not able to get across the finish line quickly enough um and then if you compare this card to a christology like the initial stat line of your minions does not matter all that much there are very few one drops that are like actively bad so everything that you get off of the 
um, off of this, despite the wide range and wild, is going to end up being a legitimate threat at some point. So, yeah, I I've been playing a lot of Handball Paladin actually the past couple of days because, like I said, I brought it to THL and, and I've been playing it on stream. And like the big thing is, it does slow you down against stuff like Odd Demon Hunter and Pirate Warrior, right? Because you don't have that guaranteed one drop on one. Um, but in in combination of with buffs and broomstick, it's just so much stronger, right? So if you can survive the turn one, turn two, and not completely get blown out, in combination with broomstick, this card is just so much stronger. Um, as well as like against lower decks like Rainer Priest and Odd Warrior and stuff like that, just more things to pressure, right? That they have to answer, which is absurd. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that this is a nerf at all. I think it's just very, at least in, in Handball Paladin, which was like the primary place that this was seeing play, I think it's strictly a buff. All right, so the next card uh, that got nerfed, um, let's talk about Crab Rider. Uh, our, our, our crabby boy, thank God it's nerfed. Mm. Um, thank goodness. Uh, basically, the wintry is being shifted to the battle cry rather than baseline stats. <clears throat> And so, uh, reading the dev notes here, by changing Crab Rider's Wind Fury to only last until end of turn, we're pulling back on the lethality it possesses if left alone for a few turns. We aim for Crab Rider to still remain a solid option for decks looking to swing the board back, especially when combined with buffs. It's almost like Ixar might have had something to do with this because he's a hand buff fanatic, you know? Um, no, Crab Rider, I think, like, like I mentioned earlier, Call to Arms decks, you hate to see this change because now you're just pulling a 2-mana 1-4, and that's not good. Um, but I think in stuff like Hand Buff Paladin or even you know Hand Buff Rush Warrior decks that can buff this card, um, I think it's still a very, very solid option for the, exactly what the dev comments state, you know, swinging the board back into your favor, right? So you play the first day of school on one, they play Pirates, you play Crab Rider, clean up the board a little bit so that you buy yourself time, which I think is the big thing. Um... It, it does make it a lot weaker, right? I'm really sad to see, like, Agri Paladin get hit by this. Like, I'm really sad to see that uh, because Crab Rider was, like, the only way you were ending games. Um, but overall, I think this is a very healthy change. And I think, like I, like I mentioned earlier, a pretty elegant change, and I'm very happy uh, with what they eventually did to it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I think everybody was just kind of expecting a stat line change, myself included. Um, and this does like you said, pretty elegantly solved the problem. It's a lot of text, but I don't think, I think they've moved away from like shying away from, um, you know, wordy cards like that, especially the problem with Crab Rider was that the same card that bought you the board back when you get behind also just ended up snowballing to a point where it won the game. So it, it served too many purposes, basically. Like it could buy you the board back against an aggro, mirror and or even you know swing the board back after getting cleared against a control deck and then at the same time receive buffs and kill the opponent like that's just a card shouldn't be able to do that so this allows it to still buy the board back but then it's just kind of a fair minion after that point without the um the wind fury moving forward yeah so that's a cool change uh, i love this one i really didn't expect it always expected that one three stat line and this is much better um but r.i.p the Tax Paladin. Without, like, an actual win condition, it's kind of tough to see how, like, Tax Paladin is ever viable without the Krabby. It depended on that so much. Uh, but I think Call to Arms decks would be fine. I'm sure there'll be another way to abuse uh, Weeblord and um, all the all the other good two-drop stuff that you have there. It'll be tough, though. You might need to find... It, it, you're gonna, gonna have to try and find something else that can actually, like, pressure 
uh, and go for a different shell. But yeah, very happy with this change. You know, I um, yeah, I had been toying around recently with a bringing back uh, knife jugglers, and I was like, there we go. That served a, a similar role, right? Basically, you want the web lords to lock out the opponents. You want maybe something that's uh, sticky on board, like an egg. But you do need something out of that call to arms that's going to make the opponent dead. And so, like, finding something in there is probably just what that deck is missing. If it's not in the collection right now, maybe future sets down the line will offer something similar, um, especially when cards like uh, Conviction and Hand of It All are going to continue to exist for <laughs> the time being, because noticeably absent from the uh, the list of nerfs was Conviction. Yeah, I mean, let's. I mean, do you want to touch on Conviction real quick? The fact that it didn't get changed, I don't, I don't think was surprising um, to a lot of standard players, but it might be. Really surprising to a lot of wild players. I think maybe the devs thought the combination of Crab Rider and First Day of School might tone back Hand Buff Paladin a little bit. Um, that has not been my experience in the first three days of the post patch meta, but I, I think a lot of wild players are very surprised to not see Conviction hit. Um, do you expect it to eventually get hit? Um, I'm not familiar enough with how it plays in Standard to answer that, but like it just it. I think the strength of it is not only that you can draw it so consistently off of Knight of Anointment, but that it just plays so well into what the Paladin decks are trying to do in Wild right now. Uh, Odd Paladin goes wide, generates a lot of attackers, receives buffs really well. Um, the same thing is true for Hand Buff because of the number of charge and rush minions that it has in there, so it's always going to have like willing recipients of those buffs, and like it's um, just kind of the nature of decks in wild right now i don't know its relative strength in, in standard but i imagine just based on the way the uh they play it's probably a good card but not of the same quality that it is in wild and that's probably why it didn't get touched next nerf was man crick or angry man crick uh or olgra or whatever the name of the spell is um going from a 310 when summoned to a 37 uh pretty much what was predicted last week by our standard mastermind over here on the podcast corbett um just more in line easier to remove right when drawn on turn four turn five but yeah i don't I don't think this has a pretty significant impact in the wow format i don't know if you guys want to touch on this before you hop on to our last one no uh, I, I think we can move on uh, right, yeah that's a big of a deal i just want right. to say kudos to uh, corbett for pretty much nailing it uh <laughs> right uh, like completely with the um the exact nerf and the card getting nerfed i i think a lot of people were maybe suspecting something along these lines but i mean i think you got the stat line down even so <laughs> uh yeah i didn't didn't nail it all though i was i was hell bent on the ticket of snuff uh sat, like reddit got to me man like reddit, reddit <laughs> threads uh they, they saved in my brain first mistake is going to reddit come on um uh, but oh, multiple of, misplay yeah mm, terrible misplay but yeah instead of ticket we actually got hysteria uh hysteria <laughs> going from three mana to four so hysteria has been nerfed twice up there for like rogue quest levels of nerfs now um yeah fastest fastest ever fastest ever to get nerfed twice yeah um and i'm really sad to see it get nerfed twice i'm not gonna lie to you uh very sad that hysteria is going from three mana to four i will go ahead and tell you now it is still busted at four mana i have gotten absolutely demolished by this card way too many times already in the past three days still a very very good card at four but i mean we can go ahead and transition this into hysteria was the best counter to dark low warlock right up there for one of the best counters uh, and Dark Lair, you know, not getting hit by these five nerfs, right? And so, 
Dark Lair, already one of the best decks in the format, getting one of its best counters nerfed. Uh, it was really, really sad uh, to see this one get hit. <laughs> well, it, it's still a good card, but the the, the one turn, um, kind of like you talked about with the Spring Water earlier, the one turn makes a big difference into a deck like uh, Dark Lair. Um, Priest is still probably play, paying three mana for this often, um, but and it's still a good card at four mana. It's just like that that one turn might matter in certain matchups, but still a high quality card. Like it probably warranted a nerf as a, just based on the fact that with a mana increase, it's still pretty much an auto include, right? Yep, still busted. Uh, still <laughs> really good. Very happy to see this one toned down a little bit. Uh, no no qualms from me. Good to go. No qualms from the Dark Lair player. I see. I see how this is. <laughs> right. That is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I yeah. wrong? First, though? I get called out. <laughs> first, I get called out for the Elusia change because I'm APM mage player. Uh, like, I want Elusia change. All of a sudden, that's the reason. Uh, yeah, now I'm a Dark Lair main. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know how it goes. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand your uh, prediction on Ticketus. Then, like, wh what are you playing that gets beat by Ticketus? Nothing gets beat by Ticketus. Oh yeah, true. No, that's the whole Reddit thing though. Like, I, I just wasn't playing enough standard, and they convinced me. They convinced okay. me that it had okay. to be OP. <laughs> Alright, so those are our five nerfs, though. We've talked about the cards in the decks. Um, I mean, you guys have both been playing a significant amount the past couple of days. So what do you think are the impacts of these nerfs on, you know, the early post-nerf metagame? I know it's been, like, three and a half days uh, since this got nerfed. Uh -huh. Do you sense a significant shift? Do decks feel significantly better or significantly worse? Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask, given that I'm playing so far in the dumpster. Um, but... Like, I've noticed a significant decrease in the number of uh, APM mages that I face. That might be a result of the VS report as well that we talked about last week and people um, realizing it's not a kind metaphor. I haven't seen many hand buff paladins either. I think it's just a tendency for people to avoid playing cards that have been nerfed simply because they've been nerfed. Um, but I'm sure that based on what you're saying about the, uh, you know, uh, power level of those cards in those decks there people will probably go back to at least uh hand buff paladin um a little bit more and i'll probably start seeing that crop up more encountered um you know a lot of people continuing to run hysteria because it is a very good card and um i don't know murloc shaman seems to still want crab rider at least for that early game push but uh it doesn't run away with games quite as much so that's basically been my uh experience yeah, I think everything's been very samey for the most part. There are kind of like two big things. One, like Tax Paladin, like I said, that deck's dead now without Crab Rider. Um, it can transition to something else, maybe, or the Call to Arms, but the mm -hmm. current iteration doesn't work anymore. Um, and yeah, and the Mazaki, like APM Mages becoming Mazaki Mages. Those are pretty much the only two things. Everything else is sort of, like I said, very, very samey um, to the point where it's like, this is one of the least sort of impactful patches that I think. Like, relative to the amount of cards that got nerfed that do see play in our format, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, all these cards, like, popped up here and there. But less so Mancrick. But the other four are all very, very popular. And at the same time, these nerfs really just didn't do that much in terms of big changes. And I think it speaks to, like, how light some of these changes are, right? Like, very much the current approach, the modern approach to the balancing team. Very, very light touches when they can. Um, and the fact that all these cards were already insanely good to start with. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing is, like, the APM mages, those that are still running APM mage, haven't changed. And the handball paladin list, I'm pretty sure you run the same 30 cards because it's <laughs> yeah. like still the best list and all those cards are still very, very strong. And like you're not cutting Hysteria from any of these decks that are originally running Hysteria. So like mm -hmm. 
nothing has changed. Uh, I mean, my personal experience is I have seen a lot more Dark Glare because that was like the one deck that didn't get touched out of like the the top decks, right? But mm-hmm. I I mean, I've seen a lot of Dark Glare and I've seen like kind of a response like of hyper aggro to try to beat the Dark Glares, like a lot of cute lock and stuff like that. But in general, like you said, I don't think that this has affected the meta <laughs> very much at all, which I mean we don't really expect that to happen in wild in most cases but these were hitting cards in like the most popular decks and i don't think it nudged the power level very drastically at all and like corbett said like it hit a high number of cards like that and that's just the nerfs and still um relatively low impact in terms of um its effect on the meta yeah all right, so the nerfs didn't do anything. Let's talk about these 10 buffs. Guys, we got 10 buffs. That's insane. Um, you might not even notice them because I don't think I've seen any of these see play yet in our <laughs> format. Um, but let's go through it. The, yeah. uh, the first one is Razor Boar. So this is the Demon Hunter Death Rattle 2-drop. It went from a 2-mana 2-2 Death Rattle, summoning Death Rattle that costs 3 or less from your hand, uh, to the same text but a 3-2. Um, I mean, it's even, uh, so... So yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And on top of that, like the text of this card is like in conflict with the text of not only the the three drop that follows the curve behind it, but also uh Death Speaker because you don't want to put this card in the same deck as a Death Speaker. So your main payoff card is kind of in conflict with this card. So it's not the stat line that's the problem here, it's the words on the card. Like the the fact that it has a death rattle means you probably don't want to play it in your death rattle demon hunter deck because then you lose potential value off of your big bomb seven drop and in wild in particular if you're running it's off in that deck you you know you're losing the um the 10 drop value as well so it's just like it, it it's not the stat line that was making this card unplayable yeah all right yeah. let's not talk about razor Boar. it's kind of an irrelevant card yeah let's talk about xanish this is the priest legendary from dark moon fairs getting a a big buff here it's still a five <laughs> mana three five uh uh-huh. Big buff, right? Uh, it is now going to reduce the cost of all corrupt and corrupted cards in your hand and deck by two. Um, so this is a buff, but theoretically this is how it should have always been to begin with. Um, I've played this card exactly in exactly one deck, um, and that was how I expected it to work. And I was confused when it didn't work that way. And then I stopped playing that deck because like <laughs> it just so it, it it is more of a fix than like a, a buff, but also the cards in that deck aren't good, so it's just like it doesn't really. Ruffle, were you a were you a clown priest gamer? Is that what was happening over there? I was, and it was a disaster. Don't don't try it. I promise you, <laughs> you don't want it. Um. All right. the The next one, Unbound Elemental. So this is a card from Classic, like. This card's like eight years old. Uh, finally getting buffed. It is now a three mana three four instead of a three mana two four. Uh, whenever you play a card with overload, gain plus one plus one. Um, I can start off with a conversation about this one because I actually played a lot of this card um, <clears throat> in like an aggro overload shaman list. Uh, so the Tunnel Trog, Totem Golem, uh, Brucon, kind of nature spell damage list. Um, mm-hmm. Unbound Elemental actually felt really good in that deck uh, because I was running stuff like Zaps and Lightning Bolts and. Uh, what is it called? Storm's Wrath, the uh, plus one, plus one to everything. Uh, yeah. And it felt really good in that list. The problem is that list isn't very good, right? Like, that archetype is just not good. But Unbound Elemental actually felt, like, worth playing, and it was worth its slot in that deck. 
I don't know if that means that Unbound Elemental still sucks because it felt good in a deck that sucked, or that the deck just, you know, sucks as a whole. <laughs> so, honestly, to me, this I look like the most relevant change because mm-hmm. it's like a card that's almost been playable a few different times, but mm-hmm. like in that one extra stat line might make it relevant. I like you said, I pl- I played that deck too. It was okay. Like it's not a strong contender for a deck so it's unlikely to matter too much if you get some more like low cost overload cards it might become relevant um i can't see them printing something like lightning bloom ever again though so it's not i wouldn't count on it um but like this is maybe the closest i don't want to spoil the other ones but this is probably maybe the closest we have to a relevant ner- uh, buff in the in this group yeah, I, I think this move from completely irrelevant to something to keep in the back of your mind as like new cards come out in expansions. You know, we, we need to remember this card exists rather than just like completely forgetting about it forever. Yeah, it's a spider tank with upside, but uh, spider tanks Hell tend yeah. to be a little bit slow in uh, in wild. You can reduce its cost with things in shaman, but like then you're playing those cards, and mm. those cards are not good cards. So uh, I mean, we got a bunch of other shaman buffs, so maybe shaman actually. Gonna come back in the meta? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Uh, let's start with Tidal mm. Surge. Uh, finally in line with the other Shadow Bolts of the format. Um, from four mana with Lifesteal deal four to a minion to three mana. Uh, again, this is another card that probably should have been three mana the entire time to be in line with the other. Like We have Devouring Plague, we have Shadow Bolt, we have all those kind of cards, and this is now in line with those. Uh, I don't know, I, I don't play Reno Shaman. I, is this now like a good card in that deck, maybe? Yeah, I, I think so. I think this is good, like just solid. Um, not like a not gonna be a needle mover or anything, but you're playing Reno Shaman. You need removal. Yeah, sure, it, it's pretty good. Like you play Shadow Bolt, or you used to play Shadow Bolt in uh, Reno Lock for a very long time, right? Shaman is some more hurting for removal spells than Warlock is right now, so it could I could see it sliding this in. Think about how wasn't the uh life steal of recent edition how bad was this card like before that at four oh. mana deal four heal four like that's like the scaling of life steal is what makes this potentially relevant and like it didn't even have that for a very long time yeah i remember um i remember this did see like some incredibly fringe amount of play in standard but it was always like when shaman was at its weakest points and things like that um it was, yeah it was desperation because you needed to fill out your yeah <laughs> you needed anything death. yeah yeah um but no it's actually solid so it's not bad but like you know it's going in decks that aren't amazing but yeah i think this is fine uh devouring plague is something that i kind of want to see more of in wild i think wild players haven't picked up on that card enough it's seeing a lot of playing standard right now is that the priest uh very similar effect so i think that get the power levels there for this thing for sure what about the parallel of this one i think this is a card that was already strong it just didn't have strong support pieces uh, but it's getting buffed itself. Let's talk about Lilypad Lurker. Uh, going from a 5-mana 4-5 with Hex, if you played an Elemental last turn, to a 5-mana five 5-6. Five uh, I mean, the the stats, I feel like, don't really matter because you were... Like, this was a strong card if you were playing Elemental Shaman, right? This was a one of your payoff cards. Uh, so, yeah, the stat buff is nice, but like you mentioned, I uh, with, with Tidal Surge, I don't think it's moving the needle on Elemental Shaman decks. I guess it makes it a little bit more aggressive, but Elemental Shaman decks as a whole aren't really on the aggressive side. So, I mean, I like the buff. It's a very, very strong card, but I don't think Elemental Shaman is, like, becoming more playable with this buff. I don't know if you guys have differing ideas. 
I I have a different idea in that my experience with this card prior to the buff has been the opposite, that it was not a powerful card. It felt really clunky to activate. When I did activate it, it didn't feel like it was doing all that much. A lot of people praised it as the savior for the big priest matchup, but like then they just summon a blood of Gahoon and pull six minions from your deck and their deck and you're dead. So it's like I I don't know, like yeah, it's you get a lot of value off of it, right? Because Hex is a four mana spell. Hmm. Um, but the effort involved in, in setting it up seems to be a little bit limiting uh, just to get some additional stats from it. And like the benefit to, to Hex tends to be a... Um, should be with the, this type of stat line should be a tempo swing. But like that doesn't seem to be what uh, Elemental Shaman excels at right now. Um, so like... Is the payoff worth the effort to activate it? Um, maybe because it's a vanilla minion that you can just throw out there to restart your elemental chain now as a five mana five six, but it didn't feel that way for me as a five mana four five. And um, even even when I got the effect active, it didn't feel that great. Yeah, I uh, I made up an elemental shaman deck, and it looked like it would have been an absolute tier zero busted deck in two thousand seventeen. Or it was the greatest arena deck of all time. Either or. Um, but it, it really does look great if it was in standard back in that era. But it just doesn't work out right now in wild. I think the card is actually very solid. It it, it compares um, to Rotnest Drake, uh, the Hunter Dragon, mm. the 6-5 Destroyer minion. So it's very similar effect where it's the same total stats, same cost. Doesn't destroy, but it hexes, which is great. Um... I don't know. I think I think this is enough where like eventually at some point maybe like this is a support piece for like Reno Elemental Shaman. Like I think this is there at that appropriate power level. Um it's just like obviously, you know, it, it, it requires heavy support and the support isn't amazing right now in Wild. But yeah, I think this card's very solid and very, very good actually. Uh kind of in a vacuum. Yeah, I think my big issue with like elementals when it comes to shaman is like so much of the elemental support came from Angura. And they were great in Unguro. Um, Unguro yeah, was not ago. great in 2021 Wild. <laughs> and so yeah. building an Elemental Shaman, I'm like, wow, all right, I got Lilypad Lurker. I've got some Kalamos. Wait, I'm running Kalamos as my payoff card. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like you have Sandstorm Elemental, which is good. All right, let's say you're running Zeph. You have Cage Match Custodian. And then you have Lilypad Lurker. Those are like the four, I feel like, insane Elemental cards. How dare you disrespect Talk Reaper like this? <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Uh, I mean, Tar Caper was great in 2017. Uh, Tar Caper, not so great in 2021. So, like, I, I think Lily Pedlerker is fine. I just think that, like, it's forcing you to play Elementals, though. And Elementals are just so garbage, right? Like, as a tribe in our format, which feels really bad, right? It feels so bad to say that, but they're so bad in our format. And so, like, I think this buff is fine, but it's just not worth it, you know? Not worth it. I mean, that tends to be true of a lot of... Um like specific minion types uh, mech, ty mech decks have fallen off recently just because they're not getting support one thing that mm -hmm. like when you mentioned we haven't had uh, elemental sense on goro the fact that they targeted this as a card which kind of took people by surprise could allude to the fact that maybe they're uh, releasing some support for elemental shaman in the mini set so I, I mean that's uh, always a possibility or even in future expansions so uh it because it does seem kind of like a a strange choice just out of the blue so maybe there's that's some indication or maybe it was just a card that they thought should have uh, or should be played more often and they want to kind of uh, push the um 
the the card's power level up a little bit to, uh, to yeah, get it there. That's, that's a really good point because like title surge and unbound elemental as like core cards it makes sense that you want to buff them because they might be coming back next year and so on um and you kind of want to bring up the power level of the core set a little bit lily pad lurker like, like you said the fact that they chose this one particularly uh, in particular, it means that, you know, it likely does mean that there's more support coming very, very soon. Which, I mean, maybe that's the boost the Shaman needs, you know? It, it just gets that little nudge. That'd be that'd be exciting. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, I don't think any of these three Shaman changes make Shaman playable in our format. Uh, outside of Murloc Shaman, unfortunately. Um, I'm very surprised they didn't touch any of the Murlocs, given the fact that, like, Murloc Shaman is unplayable in standard. And they printed, like, 12 new cards for that deck. Uh, I will say that. <laughs> Um, all right, let's move on to Warlock. We've talked too much about these Shaman cards that aren't going to have an impact. Let's talk about some Shaman or some Warlock cards that are also maybe not going to have any impact. Let's start with Deck of Chaos uh, because I know this was one that a lot of people were excited about. Uh, I totally didn't have this as like my top five cards in uh, Dark Moon Fair. Couldn't be us, um, but you know, we're seeing zero play. Um, it is now five mana instead of six, and is still seeing zero play because <laughs> the card sucks. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> you just yeah. can't draw it in time for it to be relevant. It doesn't matter if it's, it's five or six mana if you don't draw it till like you're already on ten mana and you've already cheated out the minions anyway. So like, what's the point? God, you I can't believe I was so off base. Like, it hurts to think about the fact that they the, the card that I was like, oh yeah, top five has to be top five in the set. I was like over a mana off. <laughs> like, like you need to discount this thing by two mana to even get it in the conversation. God, that hurts so bad. It's Ugh. not just you, okay? It's not just you. I had it up there as my favorite card. I was, I had this as tier one. I had a little bit of uh, pocket galaxy syndrome, where I was yeah, so excited for I got... this. I, I think what what warlock needs is it needs a demon caster. If you're holding a demon, cast a spell for free. Okay, five mana, four four. I, I just think. I just think like, you put this to four mana. You just run this in even warlock, right? We get 20, 20 attack molten giants. Uh, I think that's the change needed. I think the so the the reason I never really considered this a real card is because uh, in wild void caller and skull of Minari exists. So mo most of the demons or most of the minions that you would like see as relevant targets for deck of chaos would be void lord or play. things like that. Like you're already they're already in play. And yeah. not costing you six mana in an entire turn, so it, like that was that's the limiting factor. It's just it's not even just that the card's bad; it's that the card's bad, and you have better options to uh, to get big minions in play. Rolf was rubbing it I in. Thought. That he was smarter than us, dude. He was just rubbing it in. Uh, <laughs> all right, it's uh, a lunatic secret mage all over again. Yeah, true, true. Yes, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's talk about one that might actually be relevant. Let's talk about Fiendish Circle. Uh, so Fiendish Circle is a 4-mana spell, summon 4 one, one imps. It is now a 3-mana spell, summon 4 one, one imps. Uh, so this is buff. This is a buff to everybody's favorite deck, Darkest Hour. Um, Raffle's Eyes just got big when I said that. But uh, outside of Darkest Hour uh, and White Delight, who's the only person that plays that deck, um, I mean, I've seen experimentation with this deck in Cute Lock. Um, but uh, I'm interested in your, your opinions outside of the Darkest Hour uh, on this card. I think you should avoid running this card in cute lock at all costs because it messes up your uh, bone web egg um, discards. I think that, um, like, yeah, the it maybe is relevant in Darkest Hour, but that deck is not a real thing because you have to, like, stick a board now that, um, that Blood Bloom costs uh, a reasonable amount of mana. So it's like, I, I don't see that as a 
legitimate inclusion. Um, so I don't like maybe this sees play in standard, but I don't. I don't think its mana cost was um, again the the limiting factor here. It's just kind of its its effect. Like you don't. There is currently not much use for this in a format that's as fast as wild. Yeah, I, I think this is actually quite solid, right? Like, like four tokens for three mana. I think that there's no home for it right now, um, you know, unless you want to go play your bastardized version of Darkest Hour. Uh, not that I did so at all. <clears throat> uh, but, like, I, I think, like, if there's a deck that really wants to push wide that isn't token, um, sorry, that isn't cute lock, so something that does want to use the Wicked Whispers Grim Rally package, um, like, a, I don't know, something that's, like, the more, the more, like, token buff support you get, that makes sense to include like a heavier card like this. I like. I think this is a really good one to have in the in the back pocket. Kind of like Unbound Elemental, right? I think it's just like there is a solid option now as future stuff comes out, even if there's no home for it right now. It's a lot of tokens, like four tokens for three mana. It's like it's all like a lot. Right. There's a Murloc spell that does the the same thing at four mana. Like a, a mana reduction, a, a full mana reduction is you know pretty impactful um just as a full mana increase is pretty impactful i just don't see a home for it right now um yeah yeah, yeah i will say that i mean rafa brought this up earlier and i kind of just want to reapply it to fiendra circle i mean fiendra circle being in the core set not really fitting any kind of current wild decks um this getting a buff here might indicate to something that they might be pushing in the mini set or in future expansions uh so just something to keep an eye out on uh, but yeah, Warlock not really uh, getting hit with any of these buffs. Um, let's move on to Warrior. Uh, Whirling Combatant. I had never seen this card before until I saw it here in the buff <laughs> patch notes. Um, it's a 4-mana 2-6 with Battlecry and Frenzy. Deal 1 damage to all other minions. It's now a 4-mana 3-6 with Battlecry and Frenzy. Deal 1 damage to all minions. Um, when we have seen changes like this in the past, they have been irrelevant. Uh, this card was nowhere close to being well playable, I feel like. And so... I don't think this is going to do anything. I don't know if you guys disagree. Wild has Risky Skipper, and the card, again, like the the stat line isn't why you're playing it, and in particular, the attack is not why you're playing it. So, like, if anything, maybe a health buff might have helped it a little bit more so that it's likely to survive the Frenzy. It's already got a pretty big caboose anyway, so maybe it just, like, trades more favorably. But, again, you already have more than enough Whirlwind Activators uh, in your decks that would want to run them so i saw this played like once in early dead man's hand against me when the set first released and it was not good yep nothing to add <laughs> next <laughs> i mean okay can we also talk about i know we're, i know we're going a little bit long and just like nurse and buffs but i mean frenzy mm -hmm. was the mechanic here for forge and the barons wasn't seeing a ton of play and this was like the only card that got buffed that had frenzy was interesting i was expecting a lot more here maybe there is a lot of support coming in the mini set um but i i know corbett's probably looking it up right now i don't know if there are very many frenzy cards that are seeing play in standard at all uh, yeah i was actually curious to let's take a quick look and there really aren't that many like we have samuru and octobot um mm -hmm. but apart from that there's nothing that's really popping up that said there's only about like 13 and a lot of them are neutrals which don't typically see a lot of play anyway um so yeah like there was a ton and some of them are impactful but yeah fair enough all right other warrior buff uh shield made another eight-year-old card getting a facelift with the new metagame uh going from its classic iconic six mana five five battle cry gain five to a five mana five five battle cry gain five um 
good in Odd Warrior. I think this is actually impactful. I think it's seeing play in Odd Warrior. It's not shifting the needle on Odd Warrior's matchup spread, but I have seen it played against me a ton. Um, and also, it's just very fitting now that Odd Warrior, the armor-generating archetype in the format, yeah. now has access to the most iconic armor card of all time in Shield Maiden. So, yeah. outside of just, like, pure flavor reasons, you know, which is a win, um, it feels like a slight buff to Odd Warrior, but again, like, it's not shifting any Odd Warrior matchups, so it's kind of irrelevant. No, I, I'm super happy, though, about this one, just for, like, flavor reasons. I, I'm really satisfied that Odd Warrior gets to play the 5-5 five five that gains 5 armor. Like, it just looks right you know this yeah. feels good well it's just nostalgic too for like those early yeah. um hearthstone control warrior mirrors i'm surprised that um it's making the cut in odd warrior i don't know that i would have um you know been ex- too excited about shoving a five mana card into odd warrior in this yeah. metagame but i mean people should uh should play it and test it out and prove me wrong i've gotten beaten by a couple of odd warriors both running shit made in so in my but small I mean, sample size, it's 100% win rate. The deck is broken with Shield Maiden in it. So, it, yeah. In my experience, when you lose to Odd Warrior, it's because of the fact that you queued into an Odd Warrior, not necessarily because of the cards that they played, but because they, it was such a bad matchup for you. Well, in my case, shout-outs to Hazer, it's because he randomly generated a Boom Ship and pulled two, a Baku and two Shield Maidens out against me, playing Handbuff Paladin, and, uh, and beat me that way. So... <laughs> Not necessarily the odd where you're more hazer skill, you know. I was going to um, say, yeah, that's just being good at Hearthstone. Um, all right, our last buff. Uh, <laughs> this, this buff just, it, it, it feels so weird to say that there's an old god now that does not cost 10 mana. Uh, Nizoth, God of the Deep, is now a 9 mana 5-7. Battlecry, resurrect a friendly minion of each minion type. Um, god, this like actually still hurts to look at and see yeah. that it's 9 mana. It looks so weird. Um, I think the big reason it's 9 mana is now that you can play Broomstick, I guess, in combination with this, but like, why not just leave it 10 mana and default give the minions Rush or Taunt or something <laughs> that makes I, it relevant. I heard a lot of uh, calls for giving it Rush by default. I feel like that would be really It'd be kind of busted standard. Yeah. Like, I think people consistently underestimate how strong rush is as a uh, mechanic in in hearthstone um especially where you have a little bit more minion based combat than in standard versus wild but like it would just swing boards and control decks it would be silly um but at the same time i don't know like you mentioned broom but if you're playing a nine man and a zoth and a broom then you're not getting full value off of it so like are you that much like are you happy to give up two cards for something that's supposed to be your late game bomb just to like yeah i don't see the benefit to moving this to nine mana first of all it breaks the old gods like trend of 10 mana second of all like are you ready for a nazoth on nine mana i've played this card a lot since it got unnerfed and it's like i'm playing it on turn 10 plus anyway so like because i need to get enough things in the res pool to make it a relevant threat so like what does this do I guess is my question. I'm a, I'm a little bit baffled by it. Like I want to see old gods changed. I don't know how you can do it without like either breaking them or like with Cthulhu, for instance. Like you know, putting it into your hand immediately would probably make it a little bit too strong in uh, the current speed of standard. But it's clearly very too slow right now. How do you fix that? And with same thing with Nazoth. Like the impact when he comes down is not the same as the old Nazoth. 
um, and continues to not be the same as Old Nazoth. Changing its mana cost isn't changing that fact. I, I like I don't um, I don't know what this change does. Yeah, I, I really wasn't expecting a mana change because for all the feels good and all the nice feelings I get looking at Shield Maiden uh, as it is now, I get sort of yucked and grossed out by Nizoth costing 9. Like, it just looks and feels wrong. Um, but that said, they did have a lot of options, right? Like, we raised the idea of them buffing some of the old gods last episode. Um, but things they could have gone for would be, like, give the minions taunt, if not rush, right? Like, maybe maybe instead of making it immediate impact, you give them taunt or something. You're often bringing back taunt minions anyway, it feels like. Maybe that lets you be a bit more diverse in the minions that you kind of get it at 10 mana, like the minions that you put in the pool. Um, but they had options, and they put it at 9 mana. Um, I don't know. Like, in terms of wild, does this, like, make it see play anywhere? Not really, right? Like... I can imagine Reno Lock, maybe it's optimal in Reno Lock to play it. I'm not sure. I've played a bit of that. It's kind of hard to tell. Um, LPG is always kind of got this on the cards, potentially. But I think the the strength of it... I think it's good. Like, I think it can be... Again, it's one of these... Uh, damn, another one of these cards, which, like... It's so hard to judge because you need all this appropriate support around it, right? But I think the power level now is very, very good. Even if it makes me feel kind of grossed out. Um... And I think one turn can make a big difference. I think I think one turn in wild can make a big difference, uh, as long as there's a way to somehow get those minions in the pool quickly. Right. Yeah, like, maybe I was just being too greedy or I was in matchups that uh, dictated I hold it a little bit longer to get full value, but it just, like, it... I don't know if I came across a scenario where I'm just like, oh, it's turn nine, I get to jam this off now, great. Like, it, it, it maybe... That was just my limited experience, mm -hmm. but it, it didn't feel like it was a noticeable change. And like even in something like LPG Mage, like you don't really want to pay full mana for it anyway. So it's like I don't yeah. know where this becomes relevant. But um, again, it could be uh, something that does make it uh, relevant in um, in standard, just because you're happier to bring back early game minions because you have fewer options uh, for late game bombs. I mean, maybe it's the bomb in Old Warrior. Like, maybe that's, like, the best Ugh. end goal for this at some Ugh. point. Do you... So I was going to bring that up because a lot of people have been talking about his playability in yeah. odd decks, but, like, do you need or want a bomb in, in Odd Warrior? Mm -hmm. Like... What are you even I... bringing back in Odd Warrior? Like, you have mechs. Well, maybe... This is probably like way no, you down just the road. Rebuild it. <laughs> like, I, I've, I've encountered I've encountered somebody running um, like a menagerie odd warrior, and yeah. like um, I I don't see it as better than just like killing their stuff until they have more stuff or no more stuff, and then like bursting them yeah. down with cold lights. Like that's I think that that tends to be what I perceive as the optimal odd warrior, and then the farther people get away from that, the worse the deck becomes in in, in my experience. I will say, I, the biggest thing is that it gives you the option of playing it on 9 if you need it, right? Against something like, let's say, Odd Paladin or, or Hand Buff Paladin. The fact that you can play it on 9, I think, is extremely relevant. Um, I Like Corbett mentioned, though, it just feels like a lot of the support pieces aren't there, right? You're running the 3-mana 2-4 Quillbore. You're running Tarkeeper. You're running Zilliax, which is a great card. And those are, like, I feel like your your, your staples. And then, like, but those aren't, like, enough of an impact, I feel like, off of your late game, supposed to be game-ending threat, right? And yeah. so it just feels like there's nothing 
to resurrect. Maybe, I haven't I haven't messed around with it in LPG Mage. You brought it up. I played it in LPG Mage back like at the very beginning of Dark Moon Fair with uh, like Mana Saber and Zilliax and like Mana Saber is your beast. You have Zilliax. Now we have the Quillbore, the two four, um, mm-hmm. and you have all the dragons in LPG Mage, right? Like maybe if it's an LPG Mage, but at that point, like. I don't know. The dragons are already super greedy in this meta. Like, I don't know if I <laughs> yeah. want an Azoth on that list to begin with as well. So, I, I don't know. I don't think. Like, I don't even think it's going to be optimal in Arena Lock. Like, I. Like, you have the demons, right? The demons to resurrect with this are great, except for the fact that you can potentially resurrect a Voidwalker, like I did when I lost like six straight games with the stack. Um, but. I don't know. I know you guys have had success with an Azoth Minolog, so I'll, I, I'm interested to see if it actually ends up being good, but um, but yeah, it, just, it still I, just looks way too weird to me at 9 mana for me to call it a good buff, so. Yeah, it, it just ended up being a third layer of threats in that deck. I think um, a good point is, like, alluding to the cards that you're bringing back. If you compare it to the cards that you're bringing back from the original Nazoth, you have uh, the ability to really, like, target specific good quality minions that you can bring back consistently and you don't have to like fight for uh priority like you will with the different minion types in Nazoth. so you can just like bring back some uh, sludge belchers in the past or more currently bring back a like a board full of cartoon defenders so it's like the the limitation of the card makes it harder to find like the right support for it would you guys have been interested? Do you think if this would have been playable at ten mana if it said Battlecry Resurrect the highest cost friendly minion of each minion type? So that way you could target what you were resurrecting while not having to skimp on quality of other cards? It would certainly mm. like making a card better would make it better. Uh, that would reduce <laughs> some of the limitation associated with it, right? Like you wouldn't get the void caller back. You could run um different uh you know beasts while still managing like you could it would yeah it would make it better i don't know if that would be enough to like make it a staple though yeah i still think that doesn't really address the problem Mm -hmm. uh with the card where you're still fighting for like card slots to put in your tar creeper it's not like running an extra elemental feels really great in addition to the tar creeper just because sometimes you get to like hit the higher cost elemental uh, if that makes sense. So I, I really don't think that's necessarily the issue. I think that um, you probably just needed to get make this, the minions that come back more threatening. Maybe they get all plus two plus two, if uh, something like that, right? So that way it's a it's a bigger threat when it when it first comes down. Things like that. Um, like I said, they had a lot of options, and the the nine mana one feels a little. I don't know. I, I, it'll take me a long time, lots of therapy to get over this one. I think. Uh, all right, but I think in general, when it comes to the buffs. We're looking at Shield Maiden, right? As the only one out of the 10 cards that I think is going to see play in Wild. And it's not really that relevant because it's in Odd Warrior, but, like, it's not changing anything in Odd Warrior. Um, So, yeah, I mean, overall, I feel like buffs super underwhelming. And nerfs, yeah, they nerfed some really strong, popular cards, but also not changing a lot. So, as a whole, we got 15 card changes on Wednesday. And it doesn't feel like the format has really changed at all. So the the first part about like which cards got targeted in the the patch, like that's fine. But it has happened that for whatever reason the nerfs just didn't impact the format this time that much. The the buffs, I I really am like pretty bummed out about the buffs. I would say, um, 
I don't know whether it was just the expectation of what we got last time, where we got things like extra arms and galaxy and Christology. Like, we got all these insane buffs last time this happened. And now we got Zanesh um, <laughs> as, a, as a comparison. So, I don't know. I guess, like, the main thing of this was to, you know, as Ixar talks about in his AMA, um, you know, they weren't looking to dramatically change everything, but they were just looking to make, hey, maybe Title Surge isn't completely trash, and maybe it's actually, like, an okay card now, rather than anything that was meant to, like, push anything super heavily. Yeah, I think they're intentionally a little bit conservative with both the the nerfs and the buffs. Um, listening, or, you know, seeing some of the tweets that they've put out in the past, it, and in particular, XR's Q&A, it seems like um, they feel that the standard metagame and is in a pretty good spot right now and to a lesser extent mm-hmm. the the wild meta so the with a few decks that they seem to be constantly keeping an eye on and uh monitoring um over in the format i think that like i think they're comfortable with where things are right now and didn't want to be too disruptive i think that the the buffs in the past are i mean they were well received but they broke a lot of things and i think people yes. forget that because it was the first time we had buffs and I don't think we wanted a repeat of that where we like Christology is too good of a card. Um, mm-hmm. Like extra arms was too good of a card. Uh, Luna's pocket galaxy was outrageous. So like I, you know, I understand there's, but there, at the same time, there's gotta be some middle ground between the two where I think that the, the miss here wasn't that they didn't make cards more powerful, which they objectively did. It's just the cards that they did make powerful or more powerful don't really have a home to be played in. And that, like, there's you still need 28 more cards to make a deck. Yeah. I mean, let's go ahead and transition this into XR's QA because we've been alluding to it a ton. Um, so the question was raised what does success look like for this latest round of buffs, right? We're saying that these weren't really a success. Uh, but for the dev team, their opinion might be a little bit different, right? So Ixar replied, buffs don't do a very good job at being meta balance fixers, but they give classes a few more options for experimentation and allow for more tools in future card releases. So very similar to Mm -hmm. what Raffle was alluding to earlier. Um, Success for buffs means that the cards we think make for better play experiences have a higher chance of being used in a deck. Success for nerfs is almost always a meta level change or a population change to a particularly unfun play style. I mean, so based upon their definition... I mean, I feel like this is exactly what we expected. I'm not surprised by these buffs. I'm a little bit disappointed that they weren't more impactful. But, I mean, imagine these buffs being impactful in our format. Imagine what they would be doing to standard, I guess, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think this is um, some good insight. And kind of, we, we touched on this when we were talking about Lil- Lilypad Lurker in particular, is that, like, um, it seemed as though it was a card that was just kind of selected on a whim from the outside, but maybe it's a card that for whatever reason whether it's future cards or just the the concept of elemental shaman um being something that they want to to push that like that that is a card that they clearly highlighted as something that they wanted to increase the play rate is but um i i think what he's referring to uh, about the fact that buffs don't do a good job of being meta balance fixers is what i just mentioned that like you still again need 28 more cards for your deck so it's like that changing one card alone isn't going to um, you know, increase the win rate of a class archetype deck all that much. Unless it's already yeah. on the fringe of being playable or viable as is. 
Yeah, so, like, last week we talked about, we were speculating about nerfs and then buffs, right? But we talked about how buffs are just, like, throwing darts at a dartboard. Like, it's so difficult to predict because of that information imbalance. And in the same way, it's hard to predict whether these buffs are really a success when we have such less information on the dev team, when they know exactly all the future content that's going to be coming out. And they really have the, they really have a better idea of whether these buffs are successful in the medium to long term compared to the player base, whereas the nerfs are obviously much more apparent. Now, nerfs were kind of on a bit more of an equal playing field with the devs, where we can immediately see whether something was a good or a bad buff, uh, nerf in a lot of ways. Yeah, and buffs are kind of the opposite. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let's transition that, right? Let, talking about nerfs, the question was raised about nerfs for Wild, as it almost always is every time we get balance changes. Uh, without a doubt, <laughs> without fail, uh, we get somebody asking yep. XR on the Q&A. Uh, so what we see uh, nerfs for wild? The last set of changes barely did anything. And is there any chance that we can see the card buckets? And I won't talk about the dungeon run aspect of this. But XR replies, we want to see the effects of changing Springwater, First Day, and Crab Rider. All were highly played in strong and powerful decks in wild. After we see how things shake out, I think we'll take a look at the high power decks and see if the resulting meta is acceptable. Um, I... I've, I'm kind of getting tired of reading these every time we get nerfs because it's the same answer literally every time. I probably have it memorized at this point and don't even need to read off the tweet. Um, but yeah, <laughs> same, I mean, same old, same old, right? I, I would expect the same answer to the same question, though. I think that yeah. um, I, I don't think it's unreasonable after a wave of, of five nerfs to say, let's see how things shake out. I think the problem is, is that like given the uh, relative light touch to those cards, um we aren't going to to see much much change so um we'll see if they you know do decide that in particular you guys both mentioned that dark glare is kind of the uh the subtle winner of these these nerfs if um if that becomes more prevalent and becomes um a bigger problem in the format that maybe they will uh that will force their hand yeah, I mean, it's the same question, same answer. I don't have any problem with this, right? Like, nerfs affecting some of the top tier most played decks in Wild. Let's see how things shake out. Benny set coming out. Um, I, I've definitely become more open and sort of used to the idea that... the, the Like, with, with just how clear Ixar and the bouncing have been about what they see Wild as being, even if I disagree with it, it doesn't really matter because I just know what to expect now. And so I don't really see an answer like this and go like, oh, no, I can't believe we're not getting nerfs. No, it's expected, right? Like, this is just in line with their previous statements and they're being consistent in it. So it doesn't surprise me in any way. Yeah, I think we talked about this uh, when I was uh, guest hosting, but, like, it is, or even maybe the first time I was uh, on the show as a, as a guest, it's just, it seems to be that there's maybe not the the same expectation for what the format should be between sort of the highly engaged player base that um, is on Reddit and on Twitter engaging with this type of uh, Q&A and the development team. And so, um, you know, that, but that's been consistent. They've been clear about that. And, you know, if nothing else, like they are more actively communicating and engaging with that community, even if there is a disagreement, like at the mm -hmm. core level of what the format should be. Uh, and then I want to touch on the on the 1%, right? You mentioned that, the, the 1% super invested player base. Um, so the last question we want to touch on from this uh, Q&A uh, this week was, the question was brought up about the balanced perspective on high level versus pubs, or just kind of like your general population player base. And I know this is something that Corbett and I have brought up on the podcast before as well. 
Um, and so they bring up related to Hearthstone specifically. So, for example, the power level of rogue and priest at high legend versus below, where the general, I think, consensus is priest is one of the strongest decks in the format in standard. But overall, it's like the ninth best class when you look at just like general HS replay stats on the class. And so it, it's just a kind of a general game balance issue, though, uh, that the original poster comments on that they see across genres, right? Like Genji and, and, and Overwatch and Medivh and, and Hots. Um, don't really know too much about specifically those. Uh, but Ixar talks about the meta at high level tends to trickle down to lower level play over time. So given the choice, we always or we generally balance around high-level play. So, for example, while we probably don't see something like Ticketus getting nerfed, uh, the statistics we most commonly look at are at top 1% of players. Um, so that kind of confirms that they are looking at the best of the best when they are making their balance decisions because they ultimately, the changes that the high-legend players you know make and adapt ultimately trickle down anyways. Um, so that's kind of who they target their nerfs uh, and balance changes at. Um, I mean... I, yeah, I, I also want to comment that this is also probably like it's so hard to balance between <laughs> you know high level make everything uber you know balanced versus fun, and so they they want to keep fun in mind, right? But when they do make balance changes like this, I think it is targeted at the one percent. Yeah, and it's the first time we've actually seen the team confirm this type of thing, right? Especially the note about. Uh, the fact that when they're looking at data, they are looking at the the top of Legend, not the uh, player base as a whole. And I think that there's kind of been this narrative in the past among high-level players that some of the changes that they do make and have made in the past have been targeted towards a casual audience. And, you know, it's this kind of um, is in conflict with that uh, sort of uh, presumption that people were making where, you know, we this is the type of insight that we didn't get before uh xr started doing these q a's and so it's it's just interesting and um you know kind of nice to hear i mean i it also might warrant or give a little bit of reason rather to why they're so long between wild balance changes because if they're only looking at the top one percent of players right wild is already so much harder to get data for right hence why there's such a long gap between vs reports sometimes and so getting a significant amount of games in at the top 1% of players in order to make decisions about, you know, this, it kind of makes sense why they have to wait so long. I don't know. I don't know. I, how... I think I'd push, I think I'd push back on that. I think like, okay. like a big part of that, I think the wild is unique uh, compared to standard, but I don't think it's like a lack of games is the thing at the top 1%. I think the biggest thing about wild is different than standard is that we're talking about high level play trickling down to low level play. That doesn't happen as much in wild. Like there's a, there's a bigger disparity, I think between the the hyper engaged wild player base compared to the very very casual wild player base i think there's a less of a dramatic trickle down effect compared to what you see in standard it still exists obviously but like even something like hand buff paladin or dark lay warlock i find it very unlikely that the like sub diamond players are going to be you know picking up those decks a ton compared to standard copying more yeah. of what high level players are doing i i agree i think that if uh, vs can put together a you know, a reasonable amount, a reasonable sample over the course of you know a month or so, with people like opting in to supply their data. I don't see it being difficult for the company that actually like owns that the, the service <laughs> and the information associated with that, able to compile all of the data associated with that. So I think that they probably are able to collect it. It's pro 
it's certainly a lower sample than standard just because they're fewer players but i don't think it's like enough i don't think it's necessarily limiting i think it's just that um that it it does take longer for it to, to trickle down and it in some cases it doesn't ever <laughs> make it to the uh you know lower levels or uh, more casual um player base that um maybe is drawn to wild because i think there is th that um sort of um player that xr always alludes to that does just play wild because they like playing a particular deck and uh, mm -hmm. that that player doesn't care what the top one percent of players are doing or what the best deck is they just want to play uh big priest against you every yeah. um every game <laughs> all right so i take back my comment about one percent <laughs> take it back I just we bullied you out of it. Bullied me out of it. I overstepped my bounds. I'll take that back. <laughs> Outnumbered. Outnumbered two to one. Now that there's actually three people, we can actually have, you know, votes. On oh, opinions. yeah, true. Wow. True. Yeah, we can actually do votes. Uh, <laughs> but we've been going for a little bit here, so I kind of want to wrap it up with just a more general question. Uh, what have you guys been trying with the buffs? You know, what have you been playing since the patch? And uh, what have you been enjoying? What have you been having success with? You know, wh what's your three days of post-patch meta been like? What have you, what have you been doing? Honestly, most of the decks that I've been playing haven't really included any of the nerfed or buffed cards just because they are low impact. Um, I did have, I mentioned the the deck that I hit Legend with, that didn't run the Razor board just because it, um, you know, again, dilutes the Death Speaker pool. Uh, it was a it was a pretty fun deck. That and um, honestly, the, the Reno Lock that you built was legitimately one of the more fun decks that I've played that utilized the, the new cards. It felt good to have a third layer of threats just available to me there were times where like i sealed games with a Goldan in hand just because like i could play tune is awesome like win that way so why <laughs> would i why waste the Goldan in that spot so it um you know a lot of time there are certain matchups where it feels like you know against maybe a big priest you can't match their their layers of threats or you just need to like slam something high impact to uh, seal the game against aggro so that you know you don't um run out of hit points too soon so like just having that third layer of threat felt pretty good but i don't think it's a consequence of the card being at nine mana it's just you know the way the deck is built is kind of um gives you the option for that yeah i haven't been trying too much of the new cards uh like i had i did obviously play the reno lock and then i played a whole bunch of glare yesterday which went horribly um, but I've actually been playing a lot of standard, uh, and using one of the buff cards in Razorbore, in Demon Hunter. So I've been playing a lot of, like, Death Rattle Demon Hunter in, in standard, and that's been fun. Um, sort of trying to mix it up a little bit as we head into the mini set, which, you know, should only be a... They haven't given an official date, but it shouldn't be too long. Should only be, like, a few weeks, I think, until we start getting some information on that. So even if the buffs and the nerfs this time around weren't... You know, the most impactful, a whole bunch of new cards and a whole bunch of new stuff is sort of right around the corner. Um, you know, not too far away. Yeah. I, I've been playing a lot of things. Uh, I have not been having success with the Arena Locks. Uh, my very first stream, <laughs> I played a lot of Deck of Chaos, a lot of New Zoth uh, Control Warlock and New Zoth Arena Lock. Um, and I think that stream, I went to combine like 3 and 15. Um, so that nice. was not a lot of fun. I can confirm, by the way, like... I have played with five mana deck of chaos. It is just as garbage as six mana deck of chaos. Okay, it's not good. Um, don't 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 do that to yourselves. Uh, but then I also yeah. played a bunch of like my THL decks. Uh, Handball Paladin is still like absurdly broken. 
Um, I've been doing a little bit of the, the bluegills instead of the uh, chillblade champions, just so that I can do like uh, double bluegill horse rider, double conviction for the nine damage buffs. Um, oh, because yeah, have you heard of the hottest new the hottest new hand buff tech? Was the sneaky delinquents uh, have been popping up? Wait, what did those actually do? What are they? It's the a two mana three one stealth, uh, stealth right? that puts a, puts another like three one stealth in your hand. So the idea is that they work. You know, that there's another resource that gets a card back in your hand, so good with hand buffing. And the stealth is really good with conviction. Uh, so that's something that people are just trying. If you want to innovate on hand buff, uh, if anyone's listening and wants to try that, yeah, it's Imagine- like a delayed charge, right? Yeah. Imagine innovating on a deck that's like perfect. The thirty cards that we currently have. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then I've been playing some good dark roulette. So I've been. I've been experiencing that Crybiter is not very good in a lot of decks that aren't handbuff Paladin or Murloc Shaman. Like I, I played some of that Taxis Paladin, um, trying to figure out what I want to run off of my Call to Arms because I have like six really good hits, and then trying to figure out the last like four or five um, has been really mm-hmm. really hard. Uh, you no longer want Crybiter and Aggrodrid, I think, um, because when you draw it, that's without Embiggen, it feels awful, like in Aggrodrid. Um, so yeah, that's been my experience playing a lot of decks with crab rider that have not been good and then hand buff paladin which has been insane so <laughs> that's been my experience um but yeah you guys let us know down in the comments below what you guys have been playing post buff slash nerf post post balance patch what have you guys been playing this week what's been working what have you been enjoying and uh how do you think that the uh the buffs and nerfs actually are impacting the format let us know down in the comments below um that is going to be our episode this week uh raffle and corvette thank you so much for joining me today um Corbett, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, guys, you can find me at Corbett Games on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, uh, all the good places. So, yeah, come hang out, come join. Um, thank you very much for listening or watching. And Raffle, where can they find you? Uh, Raffle on Twitch and YouTube, and then at RaffleHS on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. And you can find me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, at GetMeOuth. Uh, we appreciate all of you guys for tuning in uh, this week. Appreciate you guys coming back week after week. Uh, we have some exciting news. I can I can promise. I, I've been saying this, but we're finally close to announcing some stuff uh, coming soon. So we'll, yeah, soon TM, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, stay tuned for all of that. We really do appreciate you guys watching. We hope you guys are enjoying the post-balance patch meta, and we will see you guys next week. Later.